0: Welcome to Coming Up for Air, the Allies in Recovery podcast, with hosts Laurie McDougall, Kayla Solomon, and Dominique Simone-Levine.
1: Recently, we released a couple of podcasts based on reflective listening. So we decided that we thought today's discussion should be the The obstacles or the difficulties that family members often find very challenging when first implementing reflective listening. So, any thoughts
0: on that? Yeah, Dominique, what are your thoughts? Well, reflective listening means that you are in two minds. You are listening to what's being said, but you're also controlling yourself. And that controlling of yourself part is so difficult when you're hearing right out of their mouth, something that's not true, something that's not fair. Oh my gosh, you're supposed to repeat that back? I'm already like, you know, fuming, there's steam coming out of my ears and I can't wait to jump out at you. So it takes so much body, physical restraint to not jump in Well, the reason I'm drinking, I remember the one I loved so much was the the father who found the empty bottle of half gallon, empty vodka bottle in his son's backpack. He goes to show him the the backpack and and the bottle and and the son says, you know, dad, I knew I couldn't trust you. I put that there just to see if you would look. (laughs) And it was like, you think I'm going through your backpack to look for signs that you're drinking? I mean, that would be a reflective response, right? How hard it is to get to that when you're that father. Yeah,
1: because the natural response is, no, I didn't. No, I wasn't doing that. Or yeah, I guess I shouldn't have invaded your privacy. All of these other things that pop into your head.
2: So here's the, the key to the kingdom, okay? Each conversation, I know everybody gets all hung up on the details of this. And the point is not the detailed conversation. The point is that you are really really trying to do a couple of things here. Number 1 is I as you know I rant about curiosity and fascination. I want to know what my loved one is thinking. It matters to me because the more I know, the more I can move forward with how I'm going to respond because I actually feel like I have a window into the mind and the thoughts and the perception of this person when I listen in this way. And that's really interesting. That The other thing I love about the reflective listening is the point is not that you're just responding to that line, but you want the person to keep speaking. So if you're not being like, well, you're an idiot. Of course, I'm looking through your bag, you're drinking. And because you really are looking through the bag. Okay, by the way. So <laughs> instead of getting defensive about it, You're like, okay, so that offended you. It feels like I invaded your privacy or whatever they said. Tell me more about that. And then there's a couple of things that's happening. One is that you're humanizing their experience. You are validating their experience by just calming yourself down and listening. And I actually think the most important thing about this listening process is this um, separation between you and the other person. Because when we have a person that we're a loved one that we're really concerned about, there's this melding that happens where you're trying to live their life and figure out what they're doing and how they feel affects how you feel. And it's like the beginning that everybody comes to the site. If you ask somebody how they're doing, who's a family member, they're like, My person is doing this, and they're doing this, and they're doing this, and they're doing this. They can't even describe what's going on with themselves. So, this is the beginning of what we call in therapy, individuation. You are not this other person, they are not you, but we lose that. So when I think about reflective listening, I am seeing the other person as an individual separate entity from myself. In order to do this well, you have to separate yourself because if it's you talking, you're gonna react. So here's this other person, I'm trying to understand what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and giving them the respect of this process. And also, I also want to unmerge from them. I want to understand their perspective. And I know that my perspective is different. And again, I just want to say this. I work with couples. One of the first things I do with people, if I remember, is I have them sit in different parts of my office and describe the office. Because if you sit... With your back to the window and look at the wall, you're going to have a different experience of my office than if you're sitting in the chair that looks out the window. Because the per- if I say, describe what you see, somebody's looking at a wall in paintings and somebody else is looking at a tree outside. And those are both happening simultaneously and they're both true. So when I talk about having different perceptions, you could be in the same conversation, the same space, in the same situation, and have completely different perceptions at the same time. What active listening does is it allows the other person's perceptions to have validity. And every time we jump in and say, no, no, or we get defensive, we basically dead end that conversation. And then it's over.
1: Well, I'm glad you're bringing this up because that's actually one of the biggest obstacles that I find that I hear from family members is, but they're telling me they've made such the worst decisions in their life and and now I'm supposed to sit here and validate that, right? And it's like, no, just allow them to be. I don't care what it sounds like to you just allow them to be who they're uh, who they are and the whole goal right now is to just hear them because once they feel heard they don't have to try and get their point across to you anymore louder right louder and in an argument and it and i don't care how how wild and chaotic and off the wall it sounds to you It's not actually about your opinion of this. It is about them being heard by you. That's it. That's it.
2: So let me say a little bit more about that. I really believe that most of our loved ones feel like what they think, what they feel, their experiences are invalidated in the world and that they're not as important as other people. They already are operating from a step-down position of not feeling great about themselves. And truthfully, let's face it, nobody listens to them and nobody believes them, including themselves. When we talk about what we're doing with Craft and Allies is that we're working on repair, okay? The biggest work that we're doing is repair. And if you look at all of the therapeutic interventions, repair is what makes the most sense because repair gives somebody the ground to stand on. When we try to be right and fight with people and convince them that we're right and they're wrong, we're actually creating step-down positions for them. Our status is higher, our awareness is higher, our knowledge is higher, and that puts the other person in a step-down position. What active listening does is it levels the playing field. And again, we've said this many times, but the old version of treatment was tearing people apart. They're like, you're dysfunctional. You're not good. I'm going to tear you apart so you could build yourself up from the bottom up. And what was discovered is that actually doesn't work because if you have no self-esteem and somebody's tearing at you, it just creates trauma. And we're obsessed with connection with allies. We talk about connection all the time. Listening deeply and carefully and closely to somebody is the beginning of repair for them. It doesn't matter whether you agree. It's this feeling that kind of washes over them of like, Oh my God, somebody actually is listening to what I say. This actually feels good. And so when you do this, watch the other person's reaction. It's not about, are you right? And are they right? It's about repair. So active listening is not a, you know, who's going to be correct in this situation. This is a connecting, repairing activity. That's all you're doing.
1: Relationship building.
2: Relationship building.
1: It doesn't mean that you don't already have a good relationship with your loved one because you might. All it's doing is building on that relationship and creating you become a safe space for them because they feel like you will listen to them. And that's where we want it to go. I have another question for you, Kayla. One other complication that comes up all the time, I hear it constantly, and that is, I will ask, how many of you practice this week? And you know, we'll go through the room and everybody will say their piece. And almost inevitably, the majority of people say, well, I never had a conversation where I could use reflective listening. Oh, <laughs> Don't make me laugh on this one. I didn't have the opportunity. Yeah. Oh. So
2: so what happens is that people wait until there's a conflict and they think that's the time to do this. No, 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 no. When I teach people this, I talk about what do you want to have for dinner? I don't know if I did this on that day because it was a long time ago, but, but basically it sounds like, so what would you like to have for dinner? I'm asking the question, okay? And the person says, well, I love shepherd's pie, but... I'm looking at more vegan options. So what do I do as the active listener? Oh, so you 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 really like shepherd's pie, but you're really thinking about becoming a vegan or whatever, vegan options. Tell me more about that. And so everything is an opportunity. You know, I have to work late tonight. Oh, you have to work late tonight. Tell me more about that. Because what you're doing is you're showing that you're interested in what they have to say. This is not just a conflict resolution process it's about showing somebody that you're actually interested in what they're talking about and you're not going to interrupt them and you're not going to talk about your opinion and you're not going to change the subject
1: i had a mom just recently say something to me she said my son just gives me one word answers can you give me a ride to the bus stop and, and i'm like and what do you say back Okay, I'll get in the car. I'll drive it, right? And I'm like, no, turn it into an opportunity to now say, you, oh, you need a ride to the bus stop. Tell me more about that. Yeah, tell me more about that. Like, give me the details. Yep. Where are you going? What time do you have to be there? Get him talking. Don't just go, yeah, oh yeah, sure. I, let's get in the car and go. Start pulling it out of him. Start asking him about it, and reflect back. Oh, okay, so you need a ride to the bus stop. Uh, okay,
0: tell me more. What's going, where, where are you headed? And there's also the, the body movement. I mean, if somebody's talking to you, you look up from what you're doing. You look them in the eyes. You turn your body towards them. And and you have sort of your arms down and you're open to take it in. I've been practicing that. And it's, I feel much more respected when I do that. And they feel more respected and more heard just because I've looked up and I've turned towards them. And the the other part I wanted to say is this, this concept of repair. You know, conflict is important and repairing is the natural outcome of conflict. It is in biology, things mismatch and then they find a repair gene. I was reading about childhood development and infancy and adolescence. You want to be able to teach that child to have opportunities for conflict and opportunities to repair it. So no conflict means no opportunity to learn. And so we take opportunities, and I'm saying this to myself, and I just told you what I would say back to somebody who told me I was not trusting their empty bottle of vodka, but it's about how you repair it, how you teach repair. So you're modeling repairing by by reflective listening and you're allowing the conflict to have been and to get beyond it. So often conflict just hangs and it's not repaired. And kids who are not taught how to repair conflict do less well as adults, we all do that. And kids that come from you know difficulties, adverse childhood events and that sort of thing are gonna have a harder time with this. They don't have the opportunities for learning to repair. So it's interesting that Saying nothing or just repeating back what you're saying is the way in, easy way in, once you start to catch yourself in reparation of bad feelings and real connection, as as Kayla's saying, we're always about connection here because with connection, you have an openness and you have an under you have an acceptance of the other and what the other is saying. And that's when you're going to get your loved one to say yes to a wellness activity or to a therapist or you know, to something that you would like to see them engage with to to help them out of their situation. But, But the other thing to think about here is
2: that, you know, we're all like kind of raised on the model of confrontation and pushing people and giving advice and trying to help intrusively because they can't help themselves or they don't, they seem to be off on the wrong track. And what we're, what we're doing is flipping all of that. We're trusting that the person has a desire to change. We're trusting that they have the capabilities somewhere inside of them to do this. We're trusting that they actually have knowledge and awareness that you might not see or realize or even they might not see or realize. And by doing this more gentle kind of connection, they have an opportunity to find that as opposed to they're always reacting to us and our own reactivity or they're trying to protect us because they think that we can't handle the truth. And that, by the way, we need to mention here because part of what's gonna happen if you do this well is you're gonna hear things that are gonna curl your toes, okay? (laughs) And so I just want you to know that is the most important time to calm your system down. Because if you're really saying to the person, I want to hear you, I want to know you, I want to understand you, and they start telling you the truth, it is really painful. And that's when people stop doing this because they can't handle listening to this. And I want you to know that your job to become more whole and more you is to learn that you can handle this stuff. You can deal with this. You can manage this as long as you're Working on the state of mind that you're in during this, and that's why I call it meditation. I I say this all the time that I'm not somebody who could sit and do Om or like just calm my thoughts down and not think. I'm a moving meditation person, and this way of listening, this is when I tap into that meditative process because. Every thought I have, every reaction I have, I have to let it go. I have to let it go. I have, And so it's this constant process of putting my thoughts and feelings in a bubble and watching them float away and coming back to the listening and coming back to repeating and coming back to that absolutely divine presence that I can give to this person, which is healing energy. I know that sounds very woo, but that level of deep, deep listening is our, our larger spiritual higher self acting. And that's what we're asking you to tap into. And I know that's a lot to ask, but if you practice this, you will be able to do it. That the goal is to hear whatever is being said and not react to it.
1: I'd like to add a piece to what you're saying, Caleb, because what you're talking about is oftentimes our feelings and emotions, our own challenging feelings and emotions get in the way. And we want to just give up on reflective listening because we can't can't gain control of what's going on inside of my head and inside of my body right now to do this effectively. But there's also an added piece. If you notice, one of the biggest barriers, I think, is when our loved ones start trying to change the subject or start what I call throwing darts at us. Oh, I don't want to face it. So now I'm going to talk about how you ruined my life. And you are the reason why I'm using substances. You are the reason why I have difficult, challenging problems, right? So kind of like what what Dominique said, when dad found a half a bottle of vodka in the backpack, and the kid said, you invaded my privacy by checking my backpack to see if I had any alcohol in there. And typically, that kind of a comment to dad can throw dad into a loop, but it's an attempt to change the topic because the topic now goes from you had half a bottle of vodka in your backpack to you invaded my privacy. It's a way to divert and get it off of the topic so I don't have to face what I did. If dad instead reflects it back and says, so You feel I invaded your privacy by going in and checking to see if you had vodka or alcohol in your backpack. It helps dad calm down. I know it's weird. It's like you give it back to them. Okay. Okay. This is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you did. And you always do this. You invade my privacy. Okay. So you feel I always invade your privacy. I'm giving it back to you. And eventually what happens is they run out of things to say, Yes. right? They run out of things to say, and you can get back to, yeah, but there was a half a bottle of vodka in your backpack. I give it back to you. And I know it sounds weird, but what I find when I'm doing reflective listening, when I give that back to my loved one, it releases something in me. And it's almost like I I can now go, yep, I did invade your privacy.
2: And that's the validation piece. Yes, it makes sense to me that you feel like when I went into your backpack that I invaded your privacy. And what happens is then you hear that there's no argument. You've just avoided an argument because they're right. Did I invade your privacy? Yes, I did. You know, and I'm willing to take responsibility and I don't have to explain that I'm concerned about because this is the other thing I want to be really clear about. What happens is people do the listening and then they say, but I just want you to know why I did it and all this stuff. No, this is the end of the conversation. I wouldn't even say, Lori, the part that you just added, well, what's a bottle of vodka doing in your bag? Drop it because because you just said that. So I just wanted to be clear.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you say that. I'm saying that, that it's a diversion. It's to take it away on what the actual topic is. And it's legitimate. I feel violated. But just repeat it back.
2: And the key about the reflective listening is it's the end of the discussion. Once you do the whole thing, you don't then talk about your perceptions and your orientation. That's important because what happens is then you erase all the good that you did. So I just want to be clear about that. Yes, the bottle's there, but we're not talking about the bottle right now. We're just responding to what this person's saying. The other thing that I want to talk about, which is what I get all the time, is people saying, don't therapize me. Don't do that thing. You know, the reflection stuff. And my response to that is, okay, just want to make sure I'm hearing what you say. I know what you're saying is really important. And I just want to make sure I'm getting it correctly. The other thing that I'm going to add to that is that you know, we have this framework that we use. So What you're saying is, did I get it right? Tell me more about that. That's the one I was trained in. And if any of that feels like it's getting clunky or not working, just chuck it and then do little snippets like, so you feel violated that I went into your bag. So then it doesn't sound as formal, but you're still doing it.
1: So I have one other one other obstacle or difficulty that I find a lot of family members run into. And that is when you have someone who is what I called a forced talker. It's when there's like ruminating thoughts and you get into this conversation. It's not really a conversation, but your loved one is just talking and talking and talking. And they're saying the same thing over and over again. And they're getting emotionally involved in what they're saying. And then they're repeating it. And it just lasts, it goes on and on and on. And then very rarely do they go into another topic, but if they do, it's usually also emotional and it's, it's very challenging emotions. And so they just talk and talk and talk. And we feel like we can't get a word in edgewise We can't even reflectively listen because they're just going on and on. And it's really hard to reflect back because there's so much information. Any ideas on that you want to? Okay, so
2: the most important skill that we have in our pocket is interruption. And you cannot do this without interruption ever with anybody, unless you have the one line people, which is they make it easy. But mostly everybody once you actually, they know somebody's going to listen to them, they will talk and talk and talk and talk because nobody listens to them. So what happens is like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold up. And you, if you can't see me, which you can't, I'm putting my hand up like a pause, like hold up. And then I'm like, I just want to make sure I'm hearing what you're saying. And then you repeat back as much as you can. Did I miss something? Because if they did go on for too long to ask them, if did I miss anything? And then you say, okay, I just want to interrupt you because I don't want to lose you. And so you're making all these clarifications that what you're trying to do is really listen to them. And then what happens is that if they start to repeat themselves again and go back around, which some people do, you say, okay, just hold up. And then I don't think we do it this way, but in Imago, which is the couples counseling I do, we summarize. So if that person starts going back over, what they're starting again, I would say, okay, hold up. I just want to make sure before you go on to something else, which I know they're not, I know they're going to repeat. I'm going to tell them their story back to them. So you do the entire story of what they said, and then you ask them, did I miss something? So they don't have to tell it again. And if they start repeating themselves, I'm going to say, what is it about this that you feel like I didn't get? Because I thought I said that part. Did I not get it correctly? Because sometimes what happens is people are trying to, get more specific when they start repeating. And I just want to make sure, like, I I thought I heard you, but is there something that I'm missing here that is feeling unsatisfying to you?
1: I also, I have like a whole list of like little, little things that you can do. And yes, absolutely repeat back. We talk about that uh, summarizing, but also you can say things like, okay, I've got this piece. Is there something different? that you need to tell me. And I find using that, you can actually see the person stop and think, different, different. Also putting time limits on it. Sometimes I don't have that large amount of time to sit here and listen for hours and hours. And especially if I'm, my mind is going to wander because I'm worried about something else that's going to happen or I'm getting really emotionally involved and, and this is too much for me to deal with, I might say something like, hey, I've only got 15 minutes and then it's a hard stop. Can you fit everything into that 15-minute time frame? If not, can I check back with you in a little bit when I have a little bit more time and I can actually sit down and listen to what you're saying? because i want to let that person know that what they what they want to tell me is important but maybe i need a little bit of space or maybe i really genuinely don't have 2 hours to sit and listen to this i've only got this 15 minute time frame but i also think it's really important to make sure that you do go back and check in yes even if you do the 15 minutes you have a hard stop it ends they walk away Later on, when things are a little bit more calm for you, walk back and go, hey, I know I asked you to fit that into 15 minutes. You know, was there more with that? I just want to make sure that you got everything out that you needed to.
2: The one skill that's also part of this is that connective statements, which is what you have to say is really important to me. Let's talk about this later. And then you make sure you go back.
1: Yep, absolutely. Okay we're really coming to the end of this podcast. I think we could go on and on and on. I think this is really, we really tightened up a lot of the details for people that are practicing reflective listening. And I do want to say one added piece, and that is, You can't get good at reflective listening if you're not practicing, 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 that it's very awkward in the beginning. It may be very awkward and confusing, but the more you do it, the better at it you'll become. And the whole goal is to kind of have it work in a more genuine, fluid way so that you are making that connection with your loved one and that you're building on your relationship. Thank you, ladies. We will be back again next week.